Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, the podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha and Andy. And this week, we're talking about gay. is a political comedy about a regular guy named Dave, who happens to look just like the president of the United States, Bill Mitchell. He's hired to impersonate the president one night, but when the real president falls into a coma as a result of a stroke, his impersonation gig gets extended indefinitely. Nice. So this movie stars Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver, Frank Langella, or is it Langella? Langella. Frank Langella, Kevin Dunn, Ving Rams. Ving Rams? <laughs> Ving Rams. Wow. <laughs> this is great. Ving Rams. Char- uh Charles Grodin. Yeah. And Ben Kingsley. Nice. All right. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Stumbled on two of those names. It has, a, but... it has a pretty big cast, so you, you, two out of ten is not bad in terms of getting it wrong. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, cool. Eight out of ten. Yeah. I don't know if it's ten. <laughs> it's, it wasn't, but yeah. I'll do whatever. <laughs> it's a better grade for me at the end. Ew. Dave was directed by Ivan Reitman oh, and yeah. written by Gary Ross. I assume that you know Ivan very yes. well. <laughs> Familiar. Uh, you know, he's known for Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Twins, kin- Kindergarten Cop, Junior. A lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, I'm realizing now. Yeah. And like Dan Aykroyd and stuff, you know, with the Ghostbusters connection. Yeah. I noticed that he likes to use like the same actors a lot i don't yeah. know if that's on purpose but. well i think because he's a comedy director and so when you have talent that you know you could rely on mm-hmm. you know you're like these guys are funny that i work with them good we can yeah. like especially meatballs and stripes like those are all dependent on bill murray like mm-hmm. he's the reason those are great they're good movies but he's fucking hilarious in them so it's cool. it's like he's like if you know you have that in your pocket why not bring bill you know bring it along Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. You you enjoy Reitman too, you just don't know it. I do? Yeah. I mean, I like Junior and Twins. So, in an indirect way, Ooh. you enjoy, as well as I myself, is uh, Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman. Oh. We're talking... Thank you for smoking, <gasps> Juno. No way. Tully, young adult. What? Up in the air, like. Yo, yeah. that's crazy. And he's doing the new Ghostbusters, the one with Paul Rudd and, and those guys. Yeah. Oh, that's um, awesome. I don't know about that new Ghostbusters. I love Jason Reitman. I literally he hasn't made a movie that I don't really love. Yeah. But he makes a certain kind of movie so good, and none of them have been big budget sci-fi kind of special effects driven movies like like ghostbusters oh you're scared for it. i'm a little worried i just feel like it's not a good match it's like it's like when michelle gondry made the green hornet like it just didn't make any sense mm. like the eternal sunshine guy yeah and then yeah he went made a seth rogan superhero movie and it's just like it wasn't bad mm. it just was fine Aww. so i just feel like it's gonna be a big old bucket of fine um, when's that supposed to come out fuck if i know i remember <laughs> seeing that trailer a year ago covid fucked it up yeah i feel like we probably would have gotten it already if it wasn't for covid is it a warner brothers movie <laughs> nah, it's not i don't know what it i forget what it is but it's not warner brothers damn 
but yeah, so that's Ivan Reitman's son. That's crazy. He directed all those movies. I know Ivan has, uh, he's also like stepped back and taken on more of a producer role on a lot of movies. So like, I Love You Man, for example, I think he's listed as like one of the producers on that. Oh like, yeah, I'm sure he had involved. a production company that was churning out comedies. Yeah. So Dave debuted number two in the box office back in 1993. Okay. It was number two behind Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, to put uh, yeah. it into context. I've seen that movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh. On t- I don't know. If it, I was going to say it's on TV a lot. It was on TV a lot <laughs> 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Over that. Yeah. 1993. I'm saying when I was watching it. Oh, I, was I see. I see. three in 1993, so I saw it in the 2000s at some point, but yeah. it was just played on TV a lot. Ah, cool. Um, so it eventually, you know, it eventually made its way to number one. At the end of the day, it made $63 million in the box office. It had an original budget of 28 mil. So right. yeah. success. Yeah. So I mentioned this movie was written by Gary Ross, who ended up being nominated for Best Screenplay at the Oscars. For this? For this. Oh, for nice. this movie. And Kevin Klein was nominated um, as Best Actor for a Golden Globe. Nice, nice. So pretty, you know, successful, well-received film overall. And just because I personally love the musical score in this movie, I just wanted to mention um, the person behind that for Dave was James Newton Howard. Mm-hmm. He's also responsible for movies like Space Jam. King Kong, Fugitive, Pretty Woman, nice. uh, all the way up to the, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Nice. The Peter Jackson King. Yeah, obviously. I don't know why. I said uh, t- 2005. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Stupid question. <laughs> no. It's, the I one mean, from 32? Time. Yeah. <laughs> could have been um, the one from the 70s, the Jeff Bridges one. Yeah. He could have been real old. He, he could have been. What you'd probably find fun is as a composer, he's known for working very closely with Shyamalan. <laughs> for people i like, like gotta disrespect the man's name like that <laughs> sorry for oh man i can't even say it correctly now m night Shyamalan. m night Shyamalan. Yeah. Shyamalan. so he's Fucked up. <laughs> he's great i can't come on i can't you can't deny that <laughs> he's talented i just like to i know it's a fun name <laughs> to be like Shyamalan. i know i just like when you're mean i like to take the high road because <sighs> it's hilarious i've never taken the high road but I tell other people to, because then there's more room for me on the low road. So James has scored nine of Shyamalan's films since The Sixth Sense. Whoa. And he's also scored a lot of Francis Lawrence's films since I Am Legend. And, you know, he also did the Hunger Games series. Damn. So this guy's got a great... That's how I don't... I know I don't know composers that well, because you take it... Like, out of, like... Except for, like, a couple of the really big ones, the John Williams and the Danny Elfmans and the Hans Zimmers, I don't know shit. (laughs) So this guy's clearly had a huge storied career over many, many blockbusters, and I've never heard the name. Uh, (laughs) That's crazy, because, like, from doing this podcast, I'm like, oh, Andy knows a lot about composers, so to hear you say that. I just know the four most famous ones, (laughs) so it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, w- I wish so andy i've been talking about dave for years like yeah. <laughs> i've been like i gotta show you dave yeah but i don't know for some reason i've always hesitated bringing it on this podcast i actually don't even remember how much i've told you about it so i'm curious to know what you knew about dave before we watched it well yeah i was about to jump in and say as much as you've been telling me we gotta watch dave for years you've never said anything about it <laughs> where to the point i don't know if you remember but like two years into you being like one day we're gonna watch dave one day we're i got it in my head that i thought you told me it was like a robert downey jr movie 
So oh. for like two years in my head, I was like, all right, we're going to watch this. Like, I, I, figured, I knew it was from like the early 90s, but I was like, oh, we're going to watch like an old Robert Downey Jr. movie. <laughs> That'll be good. And then I mentioned that like a year ago and you were like, he's not in that movie. And I was like, oh, oh. okay. Then I don't know what it is. And then so since I knew we were going to watch it someday, even before the podcast, I just figured like, I was like, I'm not going to look into it. Let me just wait nice. and get a nice like oh, so blank sweet. slate. So yeah, like you mentioned how much I love Ivan Reitman, but it's crazy how I just never heard of this. At the end of the day, this is a pretty quiet film. Like yeah. even though it was financially successful, it wasn't like people weren't talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And even just down to the title, like it's really, it could be anything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, sometimes you have a very specific title that kind of it's like, you're all the king's men. You're like, all right, it's, that's not a romantic comedy, <laughs> you know? So like, well, what is Dave? <laughs> well, it's it like, could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, uh, but yes. Yeah, yeah. So I guess with the title like Dave too, it's just like it would always just come in my brain and go right out. Like I'm mm-hmm. about a guy named Dave. He could literally be, he could be an astronaut. He could be a school teacher. Like what is this? Yes. Um. So I had no idea about the political angle, and then I saw it brought up somewhere recently, because around the time we, you know, we're we're just past the 2020 election here in the time of recording, but back when in November when. The election was hot. I saw it mentioned somewhere. Was the website or a podcast? I can't remember. But they didn't give much into it. They just recommended it as like, hey, if you want like a, if you want (laughs) if you want to like stay in the election mood, but also not bum yourself out, maybe watch (laughs) Dave. It'll be fun. Yeah. And so that gave me like a little inkling of what it would be of like, okay, so it's something political, obviously, and also it's not going to be that heavy either. So that's kind of all I knew is that it was going to have a political twist and it wasn't going to be heavy. But I had no idea what the plot was. I mean, it gets into it pretty fast, so I was, you know, I was able to follow along, no problem. But <laughs> yeah, never heard of it, never saw it, and uh, just jumping in. And yeah. then even, I mean, the cast is fantastic, and I know most of them from things. But I will say, even Kevin Klein, I know I've seen him and stuff, but I'm having a hard time putting it on there. Besides, like Wild Wild West, and mm. I don't even like that movie. I've just seen it. Yeah. Like, wow, he was in Wild Wild West. Yeah, yeah. He was the co-star. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That is really exciting for me, though. Yeah. I'm very excited to talk about <laughs> it then. <laughs> That's really cool. And as far as that Robert Downey Jr. movie, I have probably mentioned it along with Walk Like a Man, which is a movie that I want us to watch eventually. I think maybe that's what I was thinking. Of. I think that's what you were thinking. Because that's another one of. I've never seen. Yeah. It's crazy. You just like blind spots you know what I mean? <laughs> like, 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 oh, Andy watches a lot of movies. And then like, I'm just like, oh, I never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Unfortunately, I have no idea how I came across this film. I just know that I've known about it forever. Like, I I can't think of a time where I didn't know about this movie, Dave. Yeah. Um, You know, it came out a year after I was born, so it's been around my entire life. But it is one of those movies that I've frequently watched with my mom. It's very quotable to me. Like, I have my favorite quotes and my favorite lines that make me laugh. And I'm happy to say that they still make me laugh. Um, So I'm very excited to talk about this movie. And, you know, I love it because it's sort of this like idealistic political fairy tale. You know, like it's about what happens when a good person somehow like comes to become president. (laughs) Like it's it's inspirational. It's funny. There's rom-com in there. And it just felt very rooted in reality. Like... I also love the movie Head of State starring Chris Rock. <laughs> I was thinking of that movie a lot while watching this. <laughs> but like that one's like ridiculous, yeah. you know, like it's very funny. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm curious. I haven't watched it in years. I know you haven't either. So I'm curious how that 
yeah. sort of comes across to us as I don't older. think I like it anymore. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember like I was 13 when it came out. I remember going to the... I remember who I went to the movies with. I remember we saw it in the movie theaters at, at seventh grade and thought it was Whoa. the funniest shit ever. I didn't watch it like recently, but I would say I watched it like in the last eight years at some point. And uh, I don't know. It's not that good. Dang. <laughs> I, I love Chris Rock as a comedian. And Bernie Mac. Yeah. Uh, Bernie yeah, Mac's yeah. pretty great in that movie. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he has any bad scenes. That's true. <laughs> Bernie Mac's pretty good in that movie. When he's slapping <laughs> the shit out of everyone on the train station. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I like Chris Rock a lot, but I feel like his directing didn't hit until top five. Mm. Like that That's the pinnacle of Chris Rock directing a movie and head of state was it's a lot of his real corny uh like, come on like the roof is on fire oh no, i knew you were gonna go yeah, for that scene that joke is so <laughs> bad man Anyway, but so, yeah, so I was thinking a lot. Of that. I was just like, man, this is like a this is like a classier head of state, like not classier, <laughs> but just like more, more rooted in reality. Yes, I, guess is what yes. I, should have said. I mean, and we're not talking about like the black man running for president part. It's like no, all the no, ridiculous how cartoony stuff. the world is. Exactly. Like how he can say security no matter where he is, and like a hand comes from off camera and takes away somebody, and it's like like I was, like where was he? You know, yeah. that's what I mean. Where it's like the logic of the movie is a cartoon in that. Absolutely. So that's why. And to me, it's just like it's. But then it also tries to be like heartfelt and mm-hmm. have like a serious message. But then on top of it, it's like Bugs Bunny. So I just it didn't work for me. But that's not why we're here. Yeah, which was on a head of state podcast. We didn't watch head of state. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's up, my fault. And I'm going off the fumes of like an eight year old memory. So I uh, could be wrong. <laughs> the fumes of an eight year old memory. <laughs> That's a great visual. Oh man, that <laughs> is like, so oh, that's funny. That's running my train right now. My train of thought is <laughs> on the fumes of an ear. Like I'm pretty sure that's what I remember about that movie. Oh man, but in general too, I feel like I really gravitate towards sort of those political comedies and dramas. You know? Oh yeah, you love them. I love like House of Cards. I was obsessed with. Um, I feel like I, you just love like an Aaron Sorkin type deal too, exactly. like a, a walk and talk in a hallway. All I need is a walk and talk. Yeah. Like, that's all I need. I still need to watch The West Wing, though. That's on my list to binge for sure. Yeah, love a good walk and talk. So, you know, this cast is fantastic. I love the actors, but more than that, I love the characters that these actors brought to life, no matter how big or small they are. Yeah. You know, I just, everyone felt real, like a real person. They were, everybody was committed. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel like anyone was phoning it in or acting like they were, like, too good for this movie or anything like that. Like, it was just like... Because these are all pretty top tier actors. Every, like Frank exactly. Langella is a legend. Sigourney Weaver's a legend. Yeah. Ving Rames wasn't a legend yet, but he was. Which d- one? Ving Rames. Oh, uh huh. What is he known? Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. And he's in almost every Mission Impossible movie. Yes. Um, oh, that's where but, but neither of those would have come out by the time this came out. Yeah. And I'm sure there's another. Maybe New Jack City. I know I'm gonna get this wrong, and someone's gonna come correct me. <laughs> There's something. He he definitely got famous before this, but yes, this was I feel right like for Pulp. like mainstream America, it was Pulp Fiction for sure, mm-hmm. and then uh, right after that, Mission Impossible, and then now he's just like he's like the man in the van and all. Yeah, he's yeah. got the greatest 
gig on Mission Impossible. <laughs> he does. He just shows up at the end of the movie. All he has to do is wear a Hawaiian shirt and a cool hat and sit in the van every movie yeah. and then have a beer at the end and fucking be like, yo, you crazy. And like, like Tom Cruise has to like eat egg whites for a whole year and just handstands with cinder blocks and everything. Just to just to like be in that movie, and then Ving Rhames is just eating a donut, just yeah. hanging, just like oh, yeah, I'll type on this keyboard for a while. Yo, and best then gig. And then I'll say, Ethan, hurry up! <laughs> <laughs> like it's the best. He's he's figured uh, it out. You actually said that out loud. Mission accomplished. I said it. I'm still corny, Ethan. But yeah, we'll we'll get into some of you know the background and all that. I'm I'm gonna do my best to sprinkle it in. I just want to say, you know, overall, this is just such a great feel-good film that I'm really excited to talk about and share with you. And I also think it's a little timeless, you know, because it's at the root, you know, what it what it means and, you know, just being an overall good person and being able to inspire others. And it's not surprising that I chose to pick this movie in the realm of you know our us inaugurating a new president so yeah, i just yeah. felt like it just aligned pretty well yeah i gotta get <laughs> right off the bat i'll, I'll say I, I didn't appreciate that how apolitical this movie was mm-hmm. for a political movie where it wasn't really vilifying anything other than like not having like morals and a backbone <laughs> like yes it's more about kind of just the values of not screwing people people over and you know making good decisions as opposed to picking sides and vil- vilifying one side over the other or like like they don't even tell us what party this president is yeah and i think that was a very deliberate move mm-hmm. and it kind of you know it's we're in a very divisive time we're not i don't want to get too political on this one but oh, i think <laughs> there's something worth kind of discussing about trying to reach as many people as possible Mm -hmm. because right now i I see a lot more of either think how i think or we're going to be mad at you and i'm saying this as a broad thing yes as opposed to try just trying to understand and there are times where that's dicey and you you just can't you can't reach a hand out to the others to to someone you disagree with i'm talking in circles because i'm just no but not talking in circles but you're not yeah 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 so i just I'm not saying that this is the wonderful answer to all our political problems is to be like, hey, everyone should just be nice. But I think it's warranted to put that in the conversation and to I think it never hurts yes. to have that message out there. Absolutely. And like it might not always help, but it never hurts. Right. Yeah. This movie really narrows down into the humanity, like the reason for politics I don't want to say the reason for politics. Well, at its core, I think I know what you're going to say that. Yes. It's like you want to help people. You want to, It's public service. You're, yes. You're getting in it to make your community, your blah, blah, blah better, your your people better. Exactly. So At its core, but that's not really what it is anymore. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's really what this movie touches on. Yeah. Like it seems like I, I actually have some questions about the writer and what else he's written because it seems like he has a deep appreciation for what it is to like politics and like the american system right and shows that you can be kind of upset with the way things are going and mad about it and blah 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 but you can still also appreciate it so he's not saying like right. fuck the system and fuck all this it's more like i believe in the system mm-hmm. it's just you need dave's for it to work 
and unfortunately not <laughs> most people aren't a dave you absolutely know? so i actually have a lot of background info on the writer Sweet. gary um, which actually aligns very well with what you're getting at so cool. there are a lot of things i have to say about gary first of all i think it's worth noting that he had a lot of trouble writing the script in fact this screenplay that we saw was the second he scrapped his first script entirely and rewrote it wow um and then it became what we watched he's quoted for saying you know it was very hard to make a fairy tale real when it's set against contemporary politics Mm -hmm. so he he basically said like he tried to make it too neutral politically the first time around but when he committed to writing Dave's character as owning like the employment agency and trying to help people get jobs like just focus in on him helping people that's what really made the script easier to write so exactly what you were saying yeah um rather like stepping away from politics and just diving into the humanity of it all but what i did really appreciate is that gary is actually he has a political background he wrote this script while working on the presidential campaign of michael dukakis dukakis Dukakis. (laughs) god i can't pronounce anyone's name Um, he was a governor of Massachusetts for two terms. Uh-huh. Um, he also worked on the Ted Kennedy and Bill Clinton campaigns. Like, oh, wow. So he's very familiar with politics and how campaigns are run, yeah. you know, because that was a huge, that was relevant to what this movie is about, mm-hmm. obviously. And this was an instance where the writer was present on set during the production. Oh, nice. So him and Ivan really worked together in making this a reality and i actually have a fun story that i'm going to save for the spoiler section um between them and how they kind of work together to make things happen sweet this i love this because this is another example of discovering that the same person is behind some of the stuff that i love Uh because he wrote big starring tom hanks um he co-wrote that with steven spielberg's daughter Anne. whoa i didn't know that don't know how they know each other how they're (laughs) friends but cool (laughs) but uh he's also behind writing and directing pleasantville and seabiscuit oh wow both toby mcguire films yeah i told you about pleasantville on the uh Legally Bond episode. Yes, the black you did. And white people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and most recently he directed Ocean's Eight. Oh, in 2018. Cool. Wow. So he's pretty. He's still active. Nice for sure. But yeah, I hope that answers your question yeah, about yeah, the writing. For sure, for sure. And this movie happened to be released right after Clinton was elected president in '92. And they're thinking of it, you know, they weren't really, they didn't really have an agenda with this movie, obviously. they mm-hmm. Like we said, we, they stayed pretty neutral. But their thinking was, you know, when this film comes out, if Bush is elected, you know, people would watch it as like some sort of like relief, like political relief just to feel better. And then if Clinton was elected, it would be an adjunct to the optimism that this film has, you yeah, know, because yeah. like I think that was a time where... A little similar to what we just went through, where we were kind of like want to change and want to shift. Yeah, yeah. It was after after Reagan, and it was before, obviously, all the Clinton scandals. Like right. Clinton was still like the cool, like exactly. the jazz playing, like McDonald's eating, like cool motherfucker. <laughs> so I could see that because it's yes. so funny whenever I see political movies like this in the '90s about the presidency, and there involves anything with an affair. I, my brain immediately goes to Monica Lewinsky, uh-huh. and then I always have to look up dates to be like, "Wait, that didn't even happen yet." Like, <laughs> so not that an affair really plays that much into this movie, but 
there's there is like some of that in the plot. So I was, immediately I was like, Lewinsky. I was like, oh, wait, no, wait. Right. I looked at the dates <laughs> after and I was like, nope. Foreshadowing? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> just... Ooh. Ooh. So I should also just note that this film actually had a great tagline, in my opinion. In a country where anybody can become president, anybody just did. That's pretty good. Right? And a little bit of background before we dive into it. Warren Beatty, do you know him? Warren Beatty. Oh my god, He's <laughs> <laughs> so famous. So Warren Beatty was one of the folks that they were considering for the role of Dave. And he's actually the one who brought this screenplay to Ivan's attention. And was like, you should do this movie. So I How think... How old? He was old. Warren? Oh, I guess... I, oh, wait, no. My bad. No, he wouldn't have been that old. No. No, no, you're right, you're right. He was just in Dick Tracy right yeah. before this. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know why I said yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, yeah. We're going. I think there was a whole lot of back and forth between casting with Warren. Like, the studio didn't want to give him what he wanted. Ivan was willing to put some of his money into, you know, the Warren, but... yeah. At the end of the day, it didn't end up working out. And even Kevin Klein wanted to turn it down because he thought it was too similar to his character in A Fish Called Wanda. Have oh, you seen that yeah. movie? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not in a very long time, but it's that's a hilarious movie. Don't call me stupid. Why not? not? Well, would you like to know where you'd be without us, the old U.S. of A, to protect you? I'll tell you. The smallest fucking province in the Russian Empire. That's what. So don't call me stupid, lady. Just thank me. After sitting down with Ivan, he realized, you know, like, this director is pretty cool. I don't think... I think he has a new vision. Pretty cool, man. Yeah. I'll make your movie. That's exactly how he said it. That's a quote right here. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, he ended up taking the role. And the premise of this movie, Dave, and many elements of it, is actually based on true moments in American history, which which I did not know until I did research. Which, side note, doing research for this movie was a little bit of a pain because oh. there was a show called Dave. <laughs> oh, the Little Dicky show? Yeah. Oh, I forgot that that's the exact same title. <sighs> yeah. so annoying. And it's probably way more popular, especially with the youngins. Yeah. If you di- if yeah. you type in Dave cast in Google search, it'll be the show's cast. Yeah, yeah. That's so you funny. have to type yeah. in Dave movie. <laughs> <laughs> the show's not bad. Yeah. I've seen it. Somebody suck me! So in 1919, diving into history course here, Woodrow Wilson uh, actually suffered a stroke that left him bedridden and partially paralyzed. Oh, man. So at the time, his wife, Edith, and basically, like, I guess his inner circle or his advisors or whatever, they chose to hide the true seriousness of his health uh-huh. to the American people and the public and everything. So what ended up happening was Edith took on a lot of the duties um, in the executive branch. Oh, wow. And he was able to like approve things and all that. So what she ended up being is sort of the messenger between him and everybody who needed to get things in front of him. Uh-huh. But she ultimately was the one who decided who and which communications in the matter of like the state went to him. Wow. So even though she wasn't making the decisions, she did have power to filter. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Um, which I is, have no idea that happened. Yeah. And that happened in 1919, and she was doing that until the end of his second term in 1921. Wow. So essentially a year and a half, 
Edith was like President kinda, Edith. <laughs> yeah, they had a vice pre- like it. You know, it aligned very well in this with this movie. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if that's where he got inspiration from, but I thought that was a really fun fact. And that's the end of history with Masha. Oh. <laughs> All right. So I've planned to sprinkle in everything else I've learned throughout. So do you want to dive into a spoiler-free section? Let's do it. Dave is so charming, isn't he? <laughs> I freaking love Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a good guy. He runs a temp agency. He rides his bike. Yeah. He's just... I didn't even get... I didn't really understand the temp agency thing until later when he said it like i didn't i I knew he was doing something for the people Uh, i just didn't really get like exactly what he was doing oh so the joke didn't land for you when i don't know if it's his best friend but his friend murray yeah he he's an accountant Uh and there's a scene where kevin klein's character dave is trying to get uh one of the women a job yeah and then when he's leaving the office he says bye by genie, by blah, blah, blah. Like all of those women are from his temp agency. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. No, <laughs> so I guess funny. that didn't land for yeah, me. Yeah, no, I didn't care. I mean, I, I, I was just, I, I thought maybe like, I don't even know why. I just knew he was like a man of the people. Like uh, I, I got what the movie was selling me. I just didn't get the like logistics that it was a temp agency. Oh, okay. okay. But I knew that it was, he was somebody who like was helping this lady and he probably wasn't the first time. Yeah. But I didn't realize he ran a temp agency until he said it later. Oh, okay. But that was just me being doomed. <laughs> no, it's all right. I, they kind of breeze, breeze over it. Yeah. I know when, <laughs> sorry to jump to the end credits here, but at the end credits, we realized that Steven Root was in this movie. Yeah. And he's actually, he actually appears in the beginning of this movie. So there's a portion of the movie where Dave is actually doing an impersonation of the president in this movie. Yeah, I remember. It. Mitchell. Yeah. Steven Root is the car salesman that basically introduces him before the crowd of people oh, at the car dealership. Nice. So that was him real awesome. quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So just figured I'd mention that before I, before I forgot. I love one thing that Gary said about the character Dave and the movie is that it examines the tension between innocence and corruption. And he expressed that that's a lot of his films, like the movie Big, yeah. you know? So we're really introduced to this character who's just like this all-around great guy who really just wants to help people and see people happy. Yeah. So that's why he doesn't really object when the secret service shows up at his at his house and is like your country needs you exactly yeah yeah i mean they offer him some money too but you could tell he's just like excited that it's, it's like a new opportunity and yeah and things like that so yeah that was funny <laughs> how are you feeling around this uh the beginning of the movie i thought the setup was really good i mean they, they sold who dave was really well and I also loved the seeing the president in the beginning when they came off the helicopter. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's coming off. Sigourney Weaver's the first lady. Someone comes over and hands them the oh, two yes. dogs. And it's like that photo moment that you get, like, every president. You know, like, well, Trump was, like, the only president who didn't have a dog because it's, like, it's, like, blasphemous if you don't have, like, the family, you know, whatever, the picture-perfect family American dream type thing. Yep. And then they walk inside, and then, like, as soon as they walk in the door, they just throw the leashes, <laughs> and then the dogs run in one direction, and, like, two servants go get them, and then they just break off to def- different quarters. Yes. And I just thought that was, like, a real funny way to, to show kind of that were like kind of skewering American politics where it looks one way on the outside. And then as soon as you go behind closed doors, 
you see like the ugly truth and and what's really going on. Absolutely. And, and I thought that like that scene, even as quick as it was, I was like, it set the whole tone of what I knew what kind of movie I was getting at this point. Like mm. I was like, all right, we're gonna be really kind of making fun of what we have become politically. Absolutely. And I think actually, I know for sure that this movie sort of introduced that idea to me that what we see and what's put in front of our faces is not in fact reality a lot of the time. Yeah. Even something as small as seeing President Mitchell use the teleprompters when he's giving that speech. Yeah. That was the first time I even remember realizing that, like, I didn't really know what teleprompters were. I thought that people were memorizing their speeches That's and hilarious. giving them to the people. So even though, like, you have to have a teleprompter, right? You're not going to memorize yeah. a speech. But for some reason, just that touch made him seem disingenuous Dis- yeah, that's funny disingenuous like, yeah that's so funny. i don't know just small things like that i could see that if you're like a kid and, and seeing that yeah it, it, it didn't read that way to me this time because everybody's because everybody does yeah it. so i'm just like yeah of course. <laughs> if anything it's like not writing your speeches but then again no nobody no political figure writes their own speeches either so. exactly <laughs> what do you really what are we talking about here <laughs> This speech right here, this is the event in which Mitchell and Dave sort of do a handoff. Dave steps in to sort of pose as the president leaving this event. Yeah. Where, in fact, he's actually... That's sort of to distract the American people from seeing that Mitchell is actually going off to have an affair with one of his secretaries. One of his secretaries. We're talking about Wendy Bird here. (laughs) Yo, I've never seen young Wendy Bird. I'm sorry I didn't even look up the actress's name, but... (laughs) Who plays it's from the Ozarks? Oh, uh, I didn't look up her name. Remember, I, th- I thought it was Laura Dern, and I was like, "Is that Laura Dern?" And yep. you were like, "No," and I was like, "Wendy Bird, <laughs> twenty years younger, <laughs> almost thirty, man." Super young. Yeah, but that was crazy because I fucking love her in the Ozarks, so yeah. I didn't, uh, <laughs> I'd never seen her before. This is really the only time Dave and President Mitchell meet. It's just this one scene where yeah. they come face to face, and he sort of analyzes Dave. I liked it because as small of the role we see Kevin Klein play as President Mitchell, he does a really good job of differentiating the two. As short as this moment is, I think Kevin Klein does a really good job of playing the roles differently. Mm-hmm. And his President Mitchell, even with his few lines, like the way he's so buttoned up and no nonsense, and the way Dave is such like a goofy, always smiling, kind of like <laughs> lovable doof. He just did a really good job. Yeah. And when he played President Mitchell, he reminded me of uh, the actor who plays Kevin on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Holt's husband. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's also (laughs) in The Good Place. Uh, He's like the main bad guy. Uh, That guy's great. Get rid of the smile. You look like a schmuck. Yeah. Yeah. When he said that stuff, I was like, I'm seeing a Kevin for sure. Oh, yeah. You can't talk about Mitchell without talking about his minions, Alan and Bob. Yeah. Whew. These guys are amazing. I I feel like Dave is this dream of a reality that we wish we were in. Like he just encompasses like what we wish politics were. And then Alan and Bob are in this like house of cards version of. Yeah, (laughs) there's a whole other movie going on in their world. You know, I'm talking about Frank Langella. Yep. Yes. And Kevin Dunn. Those guys. Yeah. um, I thought really played off of each other very well. They're the ones who basically, you know, Dave has that one encounter with President Mitchell, but after that, it's really Alan and Bob who help facilitate what Dave needs to do and how he needs to do it. Yep. And before I jump into sort of their talk with Dave, I just really want to mention because I think it's so much fun 
when you see Dave leaving this event, they tell him strictly, all you need to do, no talking, just wave and walk to the limo. And you just see him get so amped up by the energy of the people and yeah. just how much they're cheering him on that he just cannot help but be like, God bless you. God bless America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was great. It was like a little kid moment. Like he was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I freaking love that. And it this movie... Yes, it's a little corny, but like I love the physical comedy in it. Like yeah. the way they pulled him into the limo. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kevin Klein's charisma like carries it. It was he, he was totally was the right pick for this. <laughs> so I think that's great, and it's really complemented well with how straight the Secret Service guy is uh, with him. Yeah. Uh, Ving. Ving Rames. Yeah. yeah, and Ving Rames with hair is crazy. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen hair in his head before. Whoa. That blew my mind. Of course, I mentioned right at the top, Mitchell is having an affair with, uh, what's her name? Wendy? <laughs> Wendy Bird. <laughs> From Ozark. <laughs> Wendy Bird. <laughs> this is this was, this was is her prequel, and yep. then she meets... No, yep, she meets Jason Bateman. Yep. I think it's so funny that he has a stroke while he's having sex with her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So he has a stroke while as he's having sex with her and he's rushed to the emergency room. But of course, Alan and Bob keep it on the down low because they don't want anyone to know. First of all, they have to cover the fact that he's having an affair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and second of all, we learn very quickly that Bob has his own agenda about asserting his power in the White House. And really, he f- sees this as an opportunity to find his way into power. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it with House of Cards where he's totally being like the Frank. Yes, right he's here, totally you know? Frank Underwood. He's like, he's like, I'm House Whip and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up and, and take it all down. Whip. <laughs> two thoughts I had are these early parts of the movie where before the coma thing happened, when we see the two, the two Kevin Kleins side by side, I immediately thought I was like, this is the worst movie for me with this face blindness. Oh. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to like, see the differences in who's who. But so then lucky one got taken out quick. <laughs> but then right after that, I was like, yo, Marshall loves coma movies. Because while you were sleeping, it's oh, all about no. being in a coma the whole movie. And what does that movie's, say about <laughs> This me? movie's all about being in a coma. At least in this one, they treated the coma with, with, res- with respect. Yeah. They did. They they made plans whether or not the president was going to live or not. Oh yeah. They didn't. They didn't call his wife and say, "Where are you going on vacation?" How did he propose to you? <laughs> Can I just mention Frank Langella for the longest time, like for years? I thought that he was Jeffrey Tambor. Really? Like I thought they were the same person. Wow, that's so <laughs> they funny. They look so similar. They do look similar. <laughs> that's great. But Frank Langella is so freaking hilarious playing. A guy who's always on the verge of a heart attack. Like yeah. he's furious this entire movie. He's that's that's his bread and butter when it comes to comedy. Just even the way him and Alan play off of each other, you know, once they realize that they're going to have to hire Dave for a little bit longer, so like people think that we still have a president who hasn't had a stroke. Yeah. The speech that they give him in the Oval Office and just how Frank is so straight and then Alan it just puts his PR face on and just like tries to make light of it it's yeah. like we need you like this is no issue at all it's so, yeah just... like you were so good we want to do it a little bit longer <laughs> i just love it's it's like a dance to me i just feel like 
all the scenes with the three of them yeah. are just perfect. And I also like that the two of them, Alan and uh, what's Franklin Joel's name? Bob. Bob, Alan and Bob. Like I like that they don't even like each other. Oh yeah. Like you can a lot of times with these movies, they'll just kind of like we want two characters to play off each other, and then they write them in this weird way where they're almost like best friends as adults and always together and always. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. This. It seems like he doesn't even like Bob at all. Oh, yeah. And he sees all his bullshit, but because they both got wrapped up in this one big lie, now they have to do all this together. Absolutely. So I, I like that. It just made it seem more real yeah. than as if they were like two weird guys who schemed together and he's like, I'll get you the presidency, <laughs> boss. Absolutely. Yeah, you know? And it, it, they both have something to gain a little bit. Like they're, it's like they're only using each other because they have, they can help each other, right? It's like that Washington uh like political game yeah of but i look at it shit i'm already forgetting his name what's not bob's name not bob alan yeah, alan i kind of got the vibe that like alan was kind of just going with it because it seemed like the best option mm. where like he never it seemed like he never stopped working for the president in the office where he just kind of wanted whatever was best he didn't want to like That's scare true. the i mean what's best lying to the american people isn't really what's best but <laughs> in his mind like he didn't want to scare people he wanted everyone to be like in a good place so he just saw it as if i if we tell everyone the president is on the verge of death that's bad for the country yeah. so i want to do the so i didn't think i just think he was going along with it because it seemed like his best option out of shitty options and then cuz even like when bob was like talking about how we're going to take down the vice president and all that like he immediately was like, "Oh, so you can become president?" Like you yeah. know, like he was just immediate. Like he was like, "I know what you're doing, and I'm here because I have to be here." <laughs> but fuck you, and like you know, so that's true. I'm jumping a little ahead, but as Dave starts getting people excited and the numbers go up, like that's what gets him excited. Mm. And it's never like, "So I can get a better job." Like I don't know. It just seemed like he actually was just like, "I want what's best for the cab party, whatever." Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, not that that's necessarily the most noble thing, but he's, well, I don't think he was like out for his own gain personally. That's true. And he's like a company man. Out of the two of them, Alan is really the only one that Dave can at some point understand or get along with. And I think that starts with them sort of rehearsing how Mitchell presents himself when he's talking to the American people and compliments Alan's speech that he wrote for the president. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that's sort of like the beginning of their sort of relationship, yeah. even though we don't go too deep into it. But I do just want to mention, you know, this scene between the three of them happens in the Oval, the Oval Office which they built for this movie. Mm -hmm. But after they built it, you know, it was reused 25 times for other movies. Whoa. So the production designer nailed it on yeah. that one. <laughs> Can you get residuals as a production designer? I know, <laughs> like, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> so this movie had a ton of cameos, like yeah. an insane amount. And I, I didn't even recognize like it wasn't until we saw the credits and then we saw all those as himself. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know who 90% of these people were. <laughs> Yeah, and... They were probably all, like, senators and shit at the time, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, from TV personalities like Larry King and Jay Leno. Yeah, I mean, I recognize those guys. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you had real politicians like Senator Christopher Dodd and Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill. Like, they oh, actually yeah. got those people to show up. That's pretty cool. crazy. And what's funny, too, is Ivan, he actually... Like, he was encouraged to really pursue real politicians and get them to show up in this movie by the studio and i think it really just helped add that element of realness that we talked about earlier. yeah i'm sure especially if you saw it at the time like yeah you know, like and it went over my head because it's now 25 years later but exactly yeah. so he actually hit up the white house correspondence dinner 
to round these people up. Like that's, that's where he hit them up and sort of tried to get them to be in this movie. That's funny. Which is pretty funny. But yeah, we'll I'm sure we'll mention them throughout uh when when we get to those particular scenes seeing Dave not only appearing and doing like not only making those presidential appearances, but also studying and like people's names in government, how the government is run and you know just I love I love a montage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's good stuff. It's kind of after all of this stuff, you even forget that he's married. But after all of this, that's when we finally meet Ellen, who's played by Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. At first I was like, because she's not in a lot of the first chunk of the movie. So I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those roles where she's barely in this. Yeah. And I was glad I was pleasantly surprised that like the movie kind of shifted a little bit. Yeah. And then she became a much bigger focus. Oh, totally. And I love how they wrote Ellen. Yeah. Like she's this strong not stupid at all woman like yes she is misled and doesn't realize that it's not mitchell but like it's be it's not because she's done it's because they literally don't spend time together they haven't talked to each other in years like they don't have a good relationship yeah and at first they don't really tell you why like it's almost like it could almost be read where like, oh man, she's such like a cold bitch, you know? Yeah. And then, but then, yeah, the way they sprinkle it in and you learn more about the kind of person Mitchell is and the kind of person she is and you're just like, oh no, it's a different side to the story. Yeah. The first time that Dave and Ellen really have a scene together is when they have to make an appearance at the homeless shelter. Yep. Which <laughs> I love how furious again Bob gets when like that happens. Yeah. He's like, Ellen, seriously, like a whole day together? Like he's just... <laughs> He's so good at being curious. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the homeless scene. Yeah. How did that hit you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? That was very like Barbara Walters. Like, and tell me how that affected you. <laughs> <laughs> this is another solid scene. Kevin Klein again with that, that damn charisma. Like he just sells even when it's a corny moment. Like mm. I thought he he sold it really well. And, you know, you kind of see them doing their classic kind of PR presentation you know and then he notices the one kid off to the side and i liked the his little magic like it was believable that he got that kid to like him Mm. and i could just kind of tell that like dave was probably maybe maybe not exactly like that kid but probably like understood probably didn't have a lot of friends as a little kid he's probably mad corny yeah so he's probably like (laughs) i know what it's like to be alone playing with stuff um but yeah it was solid and then it hinted at the first time i got a little worried with this you like sigourney weaver you can tell, like, earlier, he's kind of looking at her legs. Yeah. And then she's, like, we're not having it. And <laughs> then this is the first time she kind of looks at him, and she's like, that's not fucking the, the <laughs> Mitchell I know. Like, you know, Mitchell I know is a prick. This guy seems nice. So at first, I was like, oh, man, I don't want to have, like, a whole bunch of scenes where he's, like, tricking her. You know, I was getting a little worried that that's the direction it was going to go. <laughs> Do I also like movies where, like, people are under false identities? Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I hate that shit. Um <laughs> So I got a little worried there, but overall the scene I think worked really good. Uh, you know, the the kid was believable, yeah, and I liked that his magic wasn't that good. Yeah, like it was like just good enough to fool it. a kid, but you could like easily see what he did. Yeah, which was kind of cool because I was like, this guy can't was he a great magician too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what I love about this scene too is you realize that even though Dave has been in this role for a while now, it's easy for someone to get used to the cameras and stuff being on them all the time, but he just really loves being good for the sake of being good 
like the way he calls off the reporters from taking pictures from that intimate moment. Yeah. Really speaks to who he is as a person. Yeah. Who he is as a person and also his understanding. Like he knew that 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 would turn that kid off Mm -hmm. and that he knows how to talk to people and like reach them on a core level, like an emotional level, not a not a agenda level. Yeah. So he's just like, no, no, this kid's shy. He doesn't want to be the center of attention. So if I get rid of these cameras, maybe he'll talk to me. Yeah. And so he just knows how to get through all the bullshit and just be like, what is this person? How do I connect with them? You totally. Know? So yeah. And last thing I'll say about this scene too is I think this is the beginning of people around Dave slowly falling in love with him as a person and as the president. And I think in this scene it's not only ellen but also his uh secret service agent i'm forgetting the Dwayne. i think his name is yeah in the movie. yeah yeah so i i just love everything about that and just how he gets everybody to fall in love with him yeah watching Dwayne fall in love with him was hilarious because he was <laughs> the most like fuck this guy in the beginning yeah and uh, over time he's just like yeah he's pretty cool yeah i wasn't even gonna mention this scene but might as well like you know that he doesn't care about dave because they have that scene when dave's making a sandwich in the cafeteria or whatever and he's like you know you 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 guys would take a bullet for the president so that means you'll take a bullet for me too right and he just like says nothing and it cuts yeah 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 (laughs) so powerful i love it also i love dave's love of sandwiches because i also love sandwiches he eats like three sandwiches in this movie he does Adding Andy will love this movie because sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, unless it's like soup, there are very few meals that won't get upgraded by putting them in between two pieces of bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this scene at the homeless shelter really leads to this next issue where Dave is so touched by, you know, this moment that he had with helping people. And then he realizes that Frank Langella's character, Bob, cut vetoed the funding for this homeless yeah, shelter vetoed the bill that would have given them money exactly and that leads to this confrontation scene between again dave allen and bob yeah i freaking love this scene because this is the first time that dave steps into the shoes of a president yeah like by by telling Dwayne to call those guys into the office at night that's where the roles reverse yep and I love how the scene is choreographed too, because I think it's very symbolic of how how media can be used or how PR can be used to sort of blindside you from the real issue. And by that, I mean, throughout this scene, Alan is trying to talk Dave down and be like, don't worry about it. This thing happens all the time. But you see Dave look at Bob, not who's not participating in this conversation at all. Yep. But he just keeps siding out everything Alan is saying and just going sh- directly to the source. Yep. Directly to the person who's who's made this decision. I don't know if that came to you in the same way, but I just love this scene. No, it did. And it was just also the first time Dave's not like a pushover mm-hmm. where he's been very likable and lovable, but he's also just not been assertive at all and kind of even taking the job. It almost just seemed like, because people told him to do it. He's like, I'll do it, you know? Right. So this was kind of the first time. Um, and this also comes off the heels of him getting reamed out in the shower by Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Uh, because she she's like, you put on that whole display in front of those kids, and then now you just go and veto the bill like you're exactly the Mitchell I remember. Yep. Um, so I think that kind of, you know, I don't think he liked that either. So Yes. <laughs> I think that that helped as well. But Absolutely. yeah, it, it was a great scene with him. And then I like when they were leaving and Bob is just like, don't ever call for me ever again. Yeah. You know? oh, I remember being so scared of Bob. 
<laughs> but in the midst of this heated conversation, Bob does mention that if you find a way to cut $650 million from the budget, the shelter's yours. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what Dave does. He was totally bluffing. Oh, yeah. He was. Yeah. I don't even think he, like, meant to bluff. Like, I think he just, like, was in the heat of the moment, threw that number out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And yeah, then that leads to the accounting scene with his buddy from the opening of the movie. Yes. Yeah, that was a pretty awesome one, too. First, they got some bratwurst sandwiches. <laughs> Jesus. More more sandwiches in the mix with chips. Yep. Loved it. Oh, my God. I don't think I've seen this guy in anything other than Dave and the Beethoven movies. That's where he's from. (laughs) I was like, why do I know who this guy is? Oh, snap. So he's not in other things that you know. I'm sure he maybe he is, but I don't remember. But yeah, he's the dad from Beethoven. Yeah. I just picture him getting mud all over him. Yep. No, Beethoven. Those are classic movies. Stop that. You've ruined my life. You've ruined my furniture. You've ruined my clothes. My family likes you more than they like me. Why? All you do is, is drool and shed and eat. And, but you're never getting out of there again. Never. Do we understand each other? But yeah, he brings his friend over, Murray, yeah. to take a look at the budget. Yeah. You know, regular day. And I love that they kind of really speed through this whole explaining the scenario here and that his friend just understands yep. and believes in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been unnecessary. Yeah. It was, um, and then him being good at the budget just kind of goes along with the whole movie's point of like, if you're like kind of just genuine, hardworking and, you know, cut out all the bullshit, mm-hmm. it's a doable job. It's just we've muddled it with so much bullshit. So, like, this guy who has no ties to politics, he's not, no one owns him, he doesn't owe anybody money, there's no campaign promises or, yeah. or money coming in where he owes a favor. He <laughs> just looks at the hard numbers and he's like, oh, yeah, we could do this. Like, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I that, liked it. that made me think of another point that I had, because there is a point where Alan and Bob are talking to each other and you they're just talking about how, like, power, really. Yeah. Like, what they what they need to cut to get to what what whatever and it's just crazy to me how you can get to a, a position in politics that they are in and just not care about any of this stuff yeah and unfortunately i think that's true like because a lot of politicians have to focus so much on raising money to, for the next campaign or to maintain their positions it's not about any of this stuff yeah that's just crazy to me. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, if you're not raising money, you're trying to maintain your voter base and like worrying about offending the people who already like you because you can't lose them. Right. And stuff like that. Oh, I've got to knock it down and build it up again. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> got to get a couple Daves in there. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention too, I think it was the writer that said this, but Lang- Langella's character, they said that his character was great because they really needed like the presence of real evil to make the stakes seem high. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a quote. And I yeah. That's funny. But yes, Murray's just whole presence and face is so amazing throughout this whole scene of him like talking about the budget with uh with Dave. Yeah. Get out of here as fast as you can. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, he ends up sort of walking dave through the numbers so he's well prepared for this cabinet meeting yep which i gotta get your feelings on this i gotta get your take the cabinet meeting yeah that was awesome yo (laughs) when he shut down fucking bob like twice in a row oh yeah i felt like bob's embarrassment where he was like mr president he was just like yeah 
And everyone looked at him and he was like, fuck, what can I say? Like, like, fuck the children, like, fuck the homeless. Like, you can't. He had him in a total, uh, I don't even know, just like a political corner. He's like, you can't say nothing. Especially like his status. Like, he's the president, he's your boss to all of these people. Yeah, exactly. The tension. Oh, why not? Sorry, this is rewinding mad. Far, but one nitpick I got. Always gotta pick oh, one. Oh come on, you gotta pick in this movie. I got one pick. When I was surprised at how many people that they were lying to about the president thing. Like I thought more people would have been in on it about mm. that he was not the president. Because when that doctor is doing everything, like checking him after the stroke and yeah. clearing him, I was like. So he's got the exact same blood type. All his paperwork matches the president's perfectly. Uh, I feel like that doctor would have ran those tests and been like, yo, this isn't the same guy. <laughs> like, like, I just like, like the blood type's different. Like everything's like cellular shit is different here. Totally. So I would have just believed it more if they like paid a fake doctor or just had a scene where they like threw him some money or something. Or Well, they do mention that they pay, they are paying the doctors and the nurses who are looking after the real Bill Mitchell. Yeah. So I wonder if, like, maybe, I, maybe. I'd like to flirt with the idea yeah. that they're doing some I just think they could have had Bob, like, slip him a hundred, like, as he was walking away. Yeah. Because um, I remember thinking, I was like, yeah, he would <laughs> it's, not, it's not him. <laughs> your, your blood pressure's even gone down. Yeah, yeah. Like, he knew I mean, all... I guess I could go down. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I was like, and if he is paid, this guy's really good because he's selling it. Like, he's just like, <laughs> on this yeah. Sorry. Fast uh, forward back. No, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> that was my one nitpick. Only one? Yeah. All right. I'm holding you to that. This e- is recorded. <laughs> I, okay. But I love this scene because it's a great opportunity for Dave, too, because, of course, Alan has brought in cameras because it's a hundred cabinet meeting. So, yeah. like, there's no way these people can defend the ridiculous stuff that they're spending money on in front of all these cameras. Because yeah. then they're going to look like bad guys. And I also love how just like how hilarious there's this like giant fight for power that no one is aware of. Like, mm-hmm. like he's taken the presidency from Bob who doesn't even have it yet. Like he has his own plan of I'm going to get rid of him, get myself to be elected, this, yeah. that. And just it's so funny where like everyone thinks everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. It, like I said, House of Cards is happening behind the scenes. Yeah. And I even failed to mention, too, while this is happening, the way Bob is planning on taking the presidency is by blackmailing the vice president who they've sent off on this, like, I guess, missionary adventure or whatever in Africa. Yeah. And while he's away, they've dumped this like true corruption stuff that their party has or their cabinet, uh, cabinet has done yeah. and they're putting it on the vice president. Yep, yep. Oh, I love it. It's so <laughs> many layers. You love layers. You love sticks. Yep. Let's remember that. So that's really all the ping points I wanted to touch on in the non-spoiler section. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. Um, anything else I got, we can easily cover in the spoiler section. All right. So the reason we're going into the spoiler section is because we are about to touch upon the moment where Dave realizes that Ellen knows that he's not Bob Mitchell. Or Well, she calls him out on it. Yeah, she calls him out on him. Is it Bob Mitchell? Bill Mitchell? Bill Mitchell. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't Bob sound is the right. other guy. <laughs> How'd you like this reveal? I liked it because I wouldn't have believed it if she didn't figure it out. Mm. I felt like I would have... All, her whole character would have lost credibility to me if she couldn't tell. And I know she hasn't seen her husband in a while, which is why I think it is believable, why she doesn't believe it right away. Yeah. But over time, it's like... Even identical twins 
look different when you like look at their face. You right. know what I mean? So and these guys aren't even related. So you know, I know it's the same actor, so they look exactly alike. But I would have to believe if it was re- like you know. Yeah. So I like that. I I basically just like that they didn't make her dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, which I want I wanted to reinforce like earlier when you were saying how they they wrote her very smart, and I was like that doesn't really come into play until these kind of scenes. Yeah. So I thought that was really good. See, this is why I asked you if you only had one nitpick because I thought you were going to nitpick the fact that she couldn't tell like his penis looked different. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. In the shower. If they're barely talking, it's been even longer since they've, That's they've true. been fucking. So I don't know. That, was, that wasn't my nitpick. I believed it. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, when she realizes or when she sort of confronts him about it, sort of in like a, I don't know how you would describe the way that she did it but sort of like faking it like it reminded me of what you did in the state legislator yeah you know? it was kind of just her like being 80 percent sure and just wanting that yeah. last confirmation <laughs> but i i love her reaction to this situation because it shows that she's also an honest person like she's packing her bags because she's like i'm i'm not first lady anymore like, yeah if he's you know and i like that she had like some genuine concern too where like mm. even she hated him she did ask like she actually took a moment to like ask how he was and if if he was gonna survive yeah. and all that. This is like a side thing that doesn't really. I just I thought I had while having this movie, watching this movie. Do you know how many presidents haven't had kids? I thought that was strange mm. that they, they, this was a presidency where there was no. I feel like we always. Damn, Andy! I I was so proud of myself for this research. <laughs> you asked me the one question. I, don't know. I just feel like you know that's like part of the same thing with the dog that I was saying earlier. Like we always want that image of like the perfect nuclear family. So a a president who was just married. Did Jimmy Carter have kids? So apparently they there are five presidents um, that have that didn't have kids. Yeah, see, so forty who did. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. George Washington, James Polk, Warren Harding. Washington doesn't even count. Yeah. Andrew Jackson, James Buchanan. Yeah. That's the very small percentage. Yeah. To answer your question. But yeah, you know, as she's packing, it turns out that Dave's packed his bags as well because, you know, he's like, well, it's it's interesting because he he's realizing that somebody good is leaving the White House. And it's like, okay, if she's saying the gig is up, then it's good. It's up for me, too. Like, he's a good guy. And they decide to leave together. Well, I I also think part of it, he's like into her. Yeah, of course. You know, you can't you can't negate that part. (laughs) Ooh, cute. All right. So originally how this movie played out was they left the White House together and like they stopped to get a sandwich and they had that sandwich scene. So the whole getting pulled over and, you know, them performing tomorrow from Annie wasn't originally in the script or like a planned shot. Really? Yeah. So what happened was, you know, as this movie was being cut, Ivan watched like two thirds of the movie and he was like this movie moment where they decide to sort of team up and run the White House together doesn't feel like an earned moment. It feels like a movie moment. So this is where he sort of worked with Gary, the writer, and was like, we need to find a moment where they like sort of build a bond and an element of trust. So that way it feels like they're in this together. Like there's a reason why they trust each other. So they ended up writing and finding a shoot day to add that scene. Nice. I think think they made the right call because I I didn't, I believe, I felt like they earned it. Like I didn't, I didn't watch the end and be like, I don't get why they're friends, you know? Right. (laughs) Like I've totally, I was on board. Yeah, I thought, I can't believe it too. And it's cool because 
they like the idea of like them making the excuse that they are like presidential impersonators and they were like what song would like impersonators sing yeah they're like oh you know tomorrow from annie but they didn't have the rights to that song so i guess ivan knew a guy or like he knew the guy who had the rights to the song that's funny um, who at the time was ray stark he had done the 1982 version of annie oh nice he had to explain to him like they're not doing a parody of the song they're actually like staying true to what the song is yeah but they just need the song for like the scene and he explained it to him and all that and the guy was like, all right, you can use it, but you owe me one. <laughs> but he's never like called in on that. That's you know, funny. so that's how we got that scene. That's great. But I I love this from here on out because them sitting on that hill eating sandwiches together and Ellen asking him, you know, like what he would do as president. It was sort of like an interview. Like she was ready to leave, but just realized that, you know, yeah, we could do good here. So I that was a really heartfelt moment in my opinion. Yeah, and the sandwiches look good. Oh god, the sandwiches. <laughs> the sandwich the movie. The <laughs> sandwich the movie. What I'd like to talk about next Oh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> Why am I so like formal yeah. on the podcast? The next order of agenda, <laughs> Dave's attire. I feel like that lady from NPR Fresh uh Fresh Air. Terry Gross. Yeah, Terry Gross. <laughs> This is Love What I Love with Masha Paul. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, we're sitting here talking about Dave, the 1993 political satire. <laughs> That's really great. <laughs> and so, Andy, tell me how uh, you felt when you saw this movie for the first time. <laughs> she talks so soft. Well, thanks, Terry. First of all, big fan. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> um, so, when we were making this movie, I remember thinking, like, Judd said to me, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think the peak of Frank Langella's furiousness is in this next scene. Mm -hmm. It is so... The way he walks throughout the White House <laughs> yeah. is so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love whenever, even, like, there was that scene earlier when they're fighting in the stairwell and then someone walks by and he, I forget her name, but he's like, hello, Janine. And then, like, yeah. goes right back. He's always still got, like, that White House yep. kind of, like, PR going. Oh, totally. Uh, he walks through the tour. Oh, that was great. He, like, uh, I just, he's so funny. He bursts into the Oval Office and this is where Dave really just, Oh, Dave lets him have it. Yeah, he's like, you know, you're fired. And he's like, I'm fired. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes sense. Like, I just... But I love that, like, Frank Langella's ready to, like, rip his head off. And then when the first lady walks in, oh. and, and then, like, he sees that, like, Dave's got backup. Totally. He, he has to, like, stand down immediately. Oh, totally. That was a rough one. And I wonder, too, like, do you think that he knew the real deal? Or do you think that the he thought, the first lady thought that that was actually... I actually. think he was smart enough to know the... I think he knew that Dave was usurping power. I think he knew that. Was uh, like, ah, he got backup. Cool. Because he knows how much she hates... That's true. Mitchell or whatever the hell's name. Bill Mitchell. Yeah. And hates them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think she called them, like, Something. vipers or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Here's where another element of truth in politics was present here. I mentioned Edith earlier, um, you know, sort of taking that exact role in a, in, a, in a way. And one of the things that she did when she sort of had that power was successfully remove the Secretary of State at the time, Robert Lansing, after he conducted a series of cabinet meetings without the president. So oh, like, basically without her knowledge or whatever. She, so like she did that. The usurp was real. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So I thought that was cool as well. Like I just, 
I don't know how I came across like this element of truth, but like I couldn't find any like direct quotes being like I was inspired by this. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's all pretty cool at the end of the day anyway. But the sad part is like, even though they sort of gave us this awesome montage of Dave doing good all before this, because it really just goes downhill from the time that he fires Bob. Yeah. Because this is where Bob's like, screw you i'm gonna show like the world who you are and like you know yeah i like that wasn't the end of bob Mm -hmm. i like that we didn't get to see him try to go through with his crazy plan to become president because Mm -hmm. i think that also seeing it play out and if it was successful would have been a little over the top Mm. so i like that like that was more like his crazy scheme that never got off the ground because he's kind of crazy yeah and then what he does here is way more realistic and grounded where he just is like oh well i'm just gonna besmirch you to the public like you know like i'll I'll, I'll take you down with a good old-fashioned smear campaign yeah this this vice president smear is already in the works so why not roll you into it as well exactly he what he didn't see is alan helping dave at the end of the day to prove that Bob was actually behind a lot of this yeah, as well. Yeah, that's kind of where I was saying the, the whole where I, like, I think Alan is just wants to do what's best for yeah. quote-unquote America. That's true. True, true, true. And again, this whole smearing the vice president happened in our history as well, apparently. Um, Rich- Richard Nixon's administration did the same thing to uh, his vice president. Oh, wow. <laughs> back then. So I, I I think there's just so much more power to a story when there's like an element of truth. You yeah. know, like it's like, damn, that really happened. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting really excited. I feel like I'm too excited about this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I would love to hear what you thought about this vice president who we've heard about this entire movie, but we literally don't see him until like the last like 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Dave and him sort of sit down and have this great conversation. I mean, first they, their first encounter is this confrontation because he comes back from Africa learning what they've done to him. Yep. And then the second one is a little more low key and Dave trying to like get to know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to know your, your thoughts on this. Hey, I didn't even recognize Ben Kingsley. Like, oh, damn. I saw I saw his name in the beginning of the movie and then just forgot about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was him. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I like they kind of bait and switched me as an audience member where in the beginning I almost like I kind of figured Bob was full of shit, but I almost believed him that I was like ah. everyone in, in this movie politically has been really slimy. So I just assumed he'd be slimy in his own way. And I thought maybe he would come in and be like the new villain towards the end of being like, well, fuck this. Like, I'm going to be president, you know, and then they'd have to take him down. So I like that. That movie genuinely, like, tricked me where he came when he came out. And I was like, oh, he is just, like, a nice guy. <laughs> and the reason everyone hates him is because he's not, like, a political pariah. Yeah, he's, and, like, a little bit of a pushover to them. Yeah, like, he doesn't he doesn't fit into, like, the cutthroat world. So I really enjoyed that. And then it was cool just to see him and Dave kind of connect immediately. And then, you know, not that it was a huge... I don't think they were going for a big surprise ending, but like I, I could see where they were going with the ending, and it totally made sense to me. And I was mm. like, oh yeah, yeah, this, this is gonna be the next, pre-, you know. Uh, I wouldn't have bought the movie if Dave stayed president somehow. It yeah. would have been real stupid. There was really no. And also, like, yeah, he, yeah. he wasn't even qualified. Like, yes, he's learning a lot on the job, and he's making these like good overall decisions. But there's still a lot of minute stuff about being president that the movie doesn't show you. Right. That if he was a president for a year, there'd be a lot of problems yeah. like you know what i mean just because you you have a big heart doesn't mean you know how to do the job so this guy had a big heart and you had to do the job so this i like 
Totally. And sorry to sidetrack a little bit, but eventually the conspiracy theorist on Larry King would have caught on. Oh, that was the best. <laughs> I thought that was such a good touch. That was so funny. Where I was like, yo, that's that's Alex Jones. Like, you know, I, I could so see that on YouTube nowadays. Absolutely. Oh, uh, such a great touch. I don't think that joke hit me when I was younger, but like as I got older, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's great. everything. Every, everything is a conspiracy now. Oh, man. But yeah, Dave eventually realizes he can't stay in this role and just finds the best way to sort of exit as president, but also setting wrongs right. Yeah, the script never kind of lets Dave falter in his character. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in this situation, he found out he, he the president, was in the wrong. Yeah. And so his first thing was like, fuck it, I'll just tell everyone I did what I did wrong. Like, I, I can't, I'm not going to sit here. Mm -hmm. Like a, a worse character or a worse movie might try to, have him lie his way out of it and then we're supposed to think it's like charming and like i just love that david's like no, no, no like you you own your fucking mistakes you yeah. know and i love his innocence too where he was like now he's p pinning this stuff on me yeah like, yeah exactly so cute yeah so i i bought all that in the end and i you know he, he gets uh bob implicated back yeah where he's like yeah i did it but this guy did it too and even a little bit more you yeah. know and i love like you see the little hints like he has like his little bob for president signs of yeah. his party exactly freaking clear eyes is there yeah like, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that cameo but I just, I find this is another scene that brings me to tears. Um, I was tearing up last night. Because, again, I think it is, it's a, like 85% Kevin Klein, like just how much heart he's able to bring into this. And just, I don't know if you knew that he was going to pretend to have a stroke. No, I didn't see that coming. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I knew it wasn't a real, like once it happened, I was like, oh, that's a cool plan. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't think he like, coincidentally had a real stroke yeah okay, but cool. uh but no i didn't i didn't know that that was gonna be his way out i thought that was really smart yeah me too and just even leading up to that moment and just how he ended what he was saying on i just think it made it so powerful and just brought me to tears oh yeah it's literally gonna be like a moment that goes down in american history where they're yes. gonna be like there was this president who it would be like if, like, in the last, like, two years, like, George Bush completely changed his entire way of, like, his outlook and his rhetoric and everything completely did a 180. Yeah. And then, like, died a year into that. And we were just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you know, like, we'd, yeah. you'd go down and be like, what happened there, you know? Exactly. And it's just, this is a real, like american story like we root for stories like this like yeah. someone goes through a transformation is doing good and then dies a martyr you yeah know? like i know it's super corny and super geeky to bring it up because everyone said it a thousand times but in the dark knight there's the line where it's you know they say you either die a villain oh sorry fuck <laughs> <laughs> you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain oh. and uh and that ties into that whole movie so it's like it's kind of that too where damn that's deep yeah it's like totally true like just like look at like, anyone who's been famous for long enough like we inevitably hate them yeah oh, that's oh, like, look suck. at ellen imagine if ellen died in like oh two like uh. imagine if she came out as the most famous lesbian of all time and then died three years later we yeah. should be stabbed Statues of Ellen. Absolutely. And now she's been around for 30, 40 years, and now like, everyone's like, oh, she's kind of a dick, right? You know, like, it's... <laughs> Bill Cosby should have died. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Like... Oh, Bill Cosby. Oh, Kelly, anybody. But yeah, I, I love this whole scheme to get out. Just caught me off guard. I still think it's just such a brilliant way to end things, and just how smooth it is to just switch the bodies in. 
Yeah. Um, and just have that story. And that's the story the public knows. Yeah. Nobody and I, knows. And I like it too where they were just like, it, w- it, it wasn't like a power grab where they were like, now Ben Kingsley, we're going to make you president. Like they did it. I feel like if President Mitchell woke up, they would have went with that. Mm-hmm. So it just happened that he died in that coma. So that's what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they like pulled the plug yeah. on him, you know? And I love that the vice president never knew as well. Yeah. Because he then genuinely, like, when him and Dave were having this conversation about the employment plan, like, he's really carrying it out, thinking that this is what, you know. Yeah. I, I thought that was beautiful. That was nice. And I cannot skip over this moment that did bring me to tears last Ooh. night. When Dave and Dwayne are saying their goodbyes, uh-huh. and Dwayne turns to him and is like, I would have taken a bullet for you. Yeah. I'm like, tearing up your right now. And I was so disappointed because when I was doing my research, I came across this article that was like, that described this moment as like a white guilt cringeworthy moment that doesn't translate to today. And I was like, I don't think so. I really love this moment. And also, the wrote that character could have been any, anybody could have played Ving Rhames is wrote like he, he wasn't he wasn't the black secret security agent. right it's like one thing when you write your movie to make that point but like I just feel yeah no I didn't see yeah it I think they were reaching for something they like. <laughs> they needed another fucking article to click on because they needed like five a day or else they get fired it was fucking yeah. horseshit no thank you I think that I love that moment it just says so much yeah Ugh. <laughs> and I think that really inspires Dave to who we see at the end run for office and just pursue a political career. Yeah. Actually start helping people because he saw how much he could do. And I almost was like, I was like, I almost feel like he could become president, you know, (laughs) like maybe not for like eight, eight to 12 years, like a couple election cycles, but I could almost believe it. Totally. And I think his biggest accomplishment truly is making Bill Mitchell's reign a wonderful legacy like this guy was a crappy guy who did not deserve the legacy that dave exactly and just he just turned that around yeah and and like dave is so selfless that he could have made it about besmirching bill as a guy and being like still giving the same message but being like this guy's bad let's do the opposite but instead he's like i don't care how the good message gets out i don't care if this bad guy's legacy is better Mm -hmm. he's dead like it's it's i'd rather him die and that be a do good than you know than just to just to stick it to him one last time exactly and again he's doing good work without like anybody knowing because it's about the work for him yeah oh love him (laughs) he's an angel (laughs) um but yeah we've kind of reached the end of the film here i think it's pretty obvious that him and dave him and dave that sigourney weaver and uh kevin klein's characters get together at the very end and i love that it happened you know after this sort of montage that sort of gives you the full picture of what happens after Dave leaves the White House. Yeah. Mitchell lives for a little bit, but does pass away. And the vice president ends up taking Mm -hmm. uh, the role as president and fulfills Mitchell's. And I even like that a little, I I mean, it's definitely, I feel like most politicians would make the speech, but because we knew him, I believed it when he's taking the oath and he's saying like, this isn't my presidency. Mm. This is me stepping in to finish Bill Mitchell's presidency. Like I'm not, yeah. like I'm not even the president. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm just here to, Absolutely. Yeah, which is like, a, obviously I think most would say that because it's a very nice thing to say, but I believe that that character meant it. Totally. And fun fact about that scene, 
uh, you see him swearing in with his wife and son next to him. Uh-huh. That's actually a- Ivan's wife and son that's hilarious. in that scene, which I thought was pretty cute. That's very funny. But yeah, that's uh, that's the end of Dave. So did you have anything else? Uh, no, I'm, I'm ready to go into best worst. All right, let's do it. I did best worst cameo. Ooh, fun one. You didn't do that? I did. Oh, nice. So while the Arnold one is great, mine that did get the chuckle out of me was actually Ben Stein, the clear eyes guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only because I, f- I always forget how famous he was for that period of time. <laughs> and like that just seemed like the funniest like go to like, we got to get some money. We got to get people to like us. Get, get the like, Ben Stein in here. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever used to watch Win Ben Stein's Money? No. Uh, it was a game show. Oh, snap. Uh, that he hosted. It was called Win Ben Stein's Money. So it was audience against Ben Stein, like no, like- no, it was just like the three contestants would answer questions. But the the gimmick of the show was that you're winning his real money, oh, like like he's putting up the twenty thousand dollar prize money, and so like he really doesn't want you to win because it's LOL. his money, and you know. Hello, I'm Ben Stein, and today I'm going to make history. I'm going to put up five thousand dollars of my money. So if you're smart enough, fast enough, and if you've got the guts, you can win Ben Stein's money. Arnold might be my best. This is my second best. (laughs) I... Do not eat the donut. Yeah, I think... (laughs) And it's such like a fun, charming one with all the kids there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I freaking love that scene. What am I doing? <laughs> I don't have like a standout worst, but I mean, I guess just the political ones, while they're good, they definitely don't age the best because nobody remembers anybody from a cabinet. Oh. One, one cabinet later. Yeah. So it's kind of a cheat. I don't really have a worst, but I just, the one, one of the ones that just went over my head. Mm-hmm. It's like when you watch old SNL from like 92 and you're like, what are they talking about? Yeah, you know? true. They bring up the most obscure Congress people. <laughs> I'm surprised you're picking the politicians and not the um, sort of round table of political analysts on that game, or, or on the game show, on that news show. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they were raiding the president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't hate it. <laughs> all right cool do you have a worst i think i'm gonna go with and i'm surprised you didn't go with this uh jay leto oh <laughs> <laughs> just the jokes were like Whoa. yeah but that's like his whole style so. yeah all right mine is best worst presidential gag oh nice. so like you know like one of the president things that he does God that it, like that made was, you laugh that was literally my second one. Oh, nice yeah <laughs> i didn't word it that way i just said like funny thing but it was mostly presidential gags cool but uh i got my best that, that caught me off guard oh okay go ahead was uh when he was first in the oval office and everything was like surprising him and he couldn't believe it and then he was just like touching things and then he picks up the phone and as oh, soon yeah. as he puts the receiver to his ear they're like yes mr president he's like, oh! and he like gets scared and hangs it up That's I, great I, I thought that was amazing like <laughs> so i just pictured the other end because there's someone just holding the other receiver and just the second they hear an answer of you mr president <laughs> that's someone's job yeah so that was my favorite that is so funny i really liked when Kevin Klein's walking with all those secure uh, Secret Service behind him and stops, and then and they all like, stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just like just, realizes the power he has. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's such a small moment, but it's so funny. My worst isn't a presidential gag because I was just doing gags in general. Okay. So I, I don't actually have one, but I just thought the the Sigourney in the shower scene was okay, but that's mm. just it's old joke. Like just like 
about to say the word prick and then changes it at the last second you know she looks down at his dick and like yeah. it's all right i don't i wasn't mad at it but i was just it's not nothing that original or, or fresh i see all right but it's not like a presidential gag yeah in reality there's no worse in my opinion but i will choose the like hand gestures like the presidential hand gestures uh-huh. because at the end of the day how many hand gestures can you really have? Yeah, like, yeah. All presidents use it. All public speakers do like the pointing thing. Um, so like while it was fun, I think Kevin Klein was very charming while doing it. Um, I'm just going to choose it to choose something. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> well, I don't have any more. So if you have another best worst, go for it. My other one is best worst duos, but I will admit that it's There's to not- highlight my best yeah i don't know about that or like there's not that many duos or like relationships like pairings okay there are a lot of pairings in this movie yeah all right my best is kevin klein and ving rames ah that's my best Ah. (laughs) but i'm i'm happy about that yeah that one was awesome i love the progression of their relationship and i think my favorite scene between the two of them is when Dave is going through the newspapers and highlighting like where Dwayne is in the background. Uh huh. Like when the scene just ends, like you think a sweater vest would look good on me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. They're so great. And for worse, I just picked Bob and Alan. Um, just because yeah. like. They're a duo, yes, but at the end of the day, they're not like a real one because like they hate each other and they hate each other's guts. I'm going to go with that too because I can't think of a lot of other ones. But like, again, there's no (laughs) sense to this. I just... Nice. I feel like Dwayne and Dave deserve the highlight. Sweet. So beyond the credits. So Andy, I will let you go first to share your thoughts on beyond the credits. Cool. I mean, I feel like I spilled the beans earlier just by talking, but... (laughs) <laughs> because this is like a very idealistic view of politics and the way the system works, I do believe in the world that this movie portrayed that Dave will become president. Mm. I don't know how long it'll take, but I think that whole last scene of him starting in public office, it'll all work again. It'll just take time. So I do think there will be a time where he's president Sigourney Weaver's first lady again, <laughs> and the conspiracy guy goes nuts. <laughs> Because imagine that. Now all of a sudden he's like, he looks exactly like that dead president. Right. Like, you know. I actually think that would be a pretty hilarious comedy if written well. Like, yeah. put, put into the right hands. Yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah, I think that's where we go. And, like, Ving Rhames is, is stays along. Like, Alan stays along. I just think, like, that team, it'd, be, it'd become, like, a very funny Veep-style crew mm. who works their way up the political system. That's fun. I was just going to ask you, too, like... How do you think people would react as like first lady and someone who looks like their yeah. own president? Oh yeah, there'd be some, there'd be, <laughs> and then the internet will be out by then, so like they're gonna Aww. fucking be all over Twitter and shit. Absolutely. Do you think that a movie, a version of this movie, could work today? Oh, or definitely. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. <it's> like, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I think. It's like cliche to say the words fake news these days. Mm. And a lot of what this movie is faking with is fake news because they're lying about the president. True. But yeah, I mean, if anything, I think it would work. But I also think it wouldn't be as apolitical. I think no matter who wrote it, whether it was someone who was on the left or the right Mm. politically, wouldn't be able to restrain themselves to make it as broad and apolitical as this movie did. Right. But I think like the plot and all that would still work. I think we, we people would buy it and find it funny. Totally. I think the sad part 
about a movie like this being made today is even if you were this apolitical, it might still come across as being super liberal and idealistic. Yeah. So, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, like so when I say apolitical, yeah, I, I do. I say that knowing very well that the agendas he's pushing <laughs> are more liberal leaning than conservative leaning, like yeah. in terms of putting money towards homeless shelters as opposed to, you know, what was it, defense contracts or something. Mm-hmm. So it's apolitical with an asterisk. Um, but again, it was written by a you know most writers in Hollywood are liberal as well, so you kind of yeah. have to assume that's what it's going to be. But I just meant more like an outright dialogue of it all, where uh. it's not like these Republicans ruin the house. Like we have to get like with my blue democratic agenda we're gonna make it better like they don't go that far with it totally uh and you know if you can get democrats and republicans to both make cameos in a movie today oh it'd be impossible (laughs) yeah you would never get it because like they did it in this yeah yeah that was pretty awesome that's the other thing yeah it would just uh that's what i mean where yeah i think the movie would work today in, in a thematic sense but it would be it wouldn't be made with as much broad appeal mm-hmm. yeah for my beyond i really my answer is just i don't think this movie needs a sequel same i i think it's perfect and it's just such a great relief feel good movie to watch especially during this time um so i love it um one thing i will say though in something that i learned is that a musical ab- adaptation was made uh, oh really based on this movie i can see that working uh yeah me too um it premiered in dc in 2018 call dave nice and i haven't really seen like what has happened since like i think it was off broadway but i think you know sometimes it takes a while for a show to come on broadway yeah. so i wonder and if it, might, still... it might not come on broadway too exactly. it has to be successful enough and you know that was 2018 covid and all this yeah. like it's probably all up in the air i couldn't really find Bummer. anything <laughs> if it was done well i would watch it right me too but not if it was like the legally blonde one yeah that was whack and before uh, we move forward, I just wanted to mention, too, that there are some real politicians who love this movie. Oh, yeah? Notably, Bill Clinton and Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Obama. It's a freaking movie. <laughs> Watched it with Malia. Disclosure, I love freaking, I love Obama. I love him so much. <laughs> I, I'm reading his book right now. I've read Michelle's. <laughs> I just feel like I need to say that. <laughs> I owe it. I owe my honesty to the people. Fair enough. And I'm not even talking about his politics. I'm talking about like as a person. Yeah, like, I yeah. want Like if he were my dad, I'd be like over the moon. You know, like that's how I feel about Obama. <laughs> I'm not talking about politics at all. I know. He seems like a dope guy. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just want to make that clear. I'm not stating any political stances on this cast. I'm saying as people, we're seeing them as people, like the movie dave freaking love obama as a person anyway bill clinton actually ended up giving gary ross a framed and signed copy of the screenplay oh wow and also sent him a picture of him drinking out of a dave mug Uh (laughs) um i think it was either him or obama said who like wrote to him and said something like you know dave is awesome it's a funny and accurate lampooning of politics which was pretty cool so just figured i'd mention that but just to wrap things up a little bit, for you, Andy, I was really excited to share this movie with you, and I'm, I really liked our conversation on it, but I really do think that you should love this movie because, you know, it's comedy, but it's rooted in realism, and I think that you would appreciate that. I, it, In my opinion, it's very smart and well-written, and 
it, on top of being smart and well-written, they had the cast to back it up and really bring it to life that much further. Um, I know you're familiar with basically all the cast members, so I thought that you'd really appreciate that. I honestly thought that you would relate to Dave, like the character. Be- and <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned the sandwiches because I didn't even think about that. Like, <laughs> I didn't realize how much of a hit that would be with you. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate how much like he makes songs out of nothing. Oh, like, yeah. He's singing I'm, all so- the I'm time. actually surprised I didn't bring that up on this. Yeah. <laughs> like you do that all the time. <laughs> he's singing everywhere he goes. So I thought you would really appreciate that. I'm just going to say, I feel like I have a great chance here. For those of you who've been listening, I know I don't have a great track record in getting Andy to love what I love, but I feel like I had a more of a chance than not with this movie because usually we decide on like whether we're going to eat during a movie or not. And you said that you didn't want to eat during it because I quote, you felt like you had to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> End quote. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a great start. You know, haven't heard that on Legally Blonde. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck it. I was like, let's pause this and get a pizza going. <laughs> so. Anyway, <laughs> I all I have left to ask is, Andy, do you love what I love? I love it. You got a lot riding on this in your own brain. <laughs> like I feel like you, you feel like the stakes are crazy high on this. If he doesn't love this, <laughs> I guess it's fucking canceled. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very I, interesting. But but yeah, not at all. It was crazy to finally get into this after all these years of yeah, gotta watch Dave, go watch Dave. <laughs> I was expecting Walk Like a Man, apparently. Yo, I feel like there was a point where I was like, let's watch Dave. Actually, bring him down the house. Let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> just... you you almost did it for this podcast so many times that I think it took inauguration uh, to get you to finally put it all in. Totally. So yeah, it was cool to come into something without having any expectations about it. Like again, I, I all I got was that it's it's a comedy and probably a little lighthearted based on wherever I heard that. <laughs> I listen to so many goddamn podcasts, can't remember. So it was, it was a fun ride to go there. And then the whole time, just seeing all these actors I loved, uh, cameos even from the ones I recognized to the ones I didn't. And to just see like a refreshing kind of throwback take to politics to like, obviously I was way too young when this came out to, to have any idea of what the political landscape was actually like. Yeah. But maybe cause I was younger then and everything seemed simpler in the nineties, but it just, it just seems simpler like the now where you're not wrapped up in a thousand old tweets every time you talk about somebody. Yep. Sometimes with these kind of lighthearted broad comedies, I'm, I get a little, you know, not worried, but just like, I'm like, it might not be exactly for me. I have a specific style of sense of humor, as most people do. And when you try to go broad, it doesn't always work. But when we were watching this one, I got to say it worked almost every time for me. Uh-huh. And I got to say, Masha, yeah, I love Dave. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the streak has ended. Yeah, this one was fucking awesome. Yes. Yeah, you know, Ivan Reitman doesn't all, like, I don't like every movie he's ever made, but I'm very surprised that I've never heard of this one, and it's, like, it's immediately shot up there as one of my favorite of his oh, movies. Oh, snap! Yeah, I just thought it was, like, it was so genuine, and it was so, 
every I could see exactly what they were going for, and I thought they hit it every time. Like there wasn't a lot of those where like, oh, I see what the intention was, and they went the other way. Klein sold it for me as Dave, like that kind of overly optimistic, childlike type of character could go one way or the other depending yeah. on who was playing it. And I just thought he did a great job. And I like I mentioned that earlier where I just don't think any of the actors ever were not committed to this. Like they I could tell that they all completely understood what kind of movie they were making and brought it as hard as they could. And I just feel like you don't always see comedies made with this kind of care. I comedies a lot of times go for the big gag over realism or a good story or anything and then you know the heart is always thrown in at the end and it's the reason why i can't watch so many of these like adam sandlery type movies where they're so silly so over the top it's you know they're flinging shit at the walls for 90 minutes Mm -hmm. and then in the last act somebody breaks up with someone and they play sad music or he doesn't get what he wants and this is not just adam sandler it's the first thing popped in my head so many comedies do this where i'm just like dude you you spent this whole movie just selling me the silly world where everything is stupid which is fine i love you know like pop stars like that but like (laughs) this didn't do that and it was like as over the top and silly because the over the topness is how idealistic everything works out and in the in the real world it really wouldn't go this way he'd probably just be in jail (laughs) so so it was over the top but it never lost any of that heart the, the whole way through and yeah and at the end of the day too it was just it was just funny like it was very it was a very fun way to look at politics in a time where i don't want to even think about politics <laughs> where it's a headache to even fucking read a news article yeah. so it was just it was very nice and i will say without spoiling it it completely inspired my next week's pick oh man and i'm gonna pick something that's in the same not genre at all but uh <laughs> oh man um <laughs> Theme? Feel, theme. Yeah, theme, political. I guess. Something that will fit with inauguration and the American political uh, uh, landscape as well. I can't but, wait yeah, to know how wrong I am to, about what that movie is. To go from a movie that I've never heard of in my life to being like, man, I love this. I can't, I'm going to watch this every couple of years. Yeah, Dave was awesome, Masha. I can't believe this is happening. You crying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you love this movie, Andy. Uh, it was awesome. I'm just happy to not have brought down your night. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And also after all these years, I'm being like, that was Dave? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, guys. Oh, you loved it. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have any opinions on what we discuss, any of them, follow us on social media at LWIL Podcast. It's a great place to find out what we'll be talking about next. And as always, if you have the time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. And I'm Masha. And I hope you love what I love.